Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 23 for the 10th of November 2006. Hi Ian, how's it going? James, it's going very well. How Excellent. Are you? I'm very well and looking forward to podcast 23. 23 already. Well, okay. I believe so. Um, quite a lot of news this week, I see. Um, standing the, the standard formats, we've got uh, UK international content delivery, IPTV, mobile and gaming and something for everyone I think this week. Absolutely. Well covered. Indeedy. So um, UK news is a couple of things again relating to user generated content um, mm. I saw that uh, five news that uh, obviously number one in the polls here in the UK channel five um, is it really no uh, <laughs> <laughs> has started to uh, launch a new um, your news session uh, I guess maybe it'll be a segment at the end of, of the news channel where mm-hmm. they'll uh, guarantee to pay people if they make stories that'll go on I guess that's kind of following on from Sky announced there was it current TV that's right. Um, so they're just sort of jumping on the bandwagon, I suppose, there. Um, I also found out about, I was, I was at a, an event earlier this week with some guys from Google, and they were talking about a thing called Oh My News. Which oh is My a, News. Oh My News dot com. Right. Um, dot com. Uh, and that's a sort of citizen reporting web newspaper, I suppose. Okay. Um, it's actually based from a guy in Korea. If you actually go to the site, it's all in Korean, but there's an international thing, and they have like 40,000 citizen reporters around the world Wow! that uh, report on stuff. So uh, an interesting take on it, but clearly it's a, it's a small leap for them to go from that to video as people can make video material. Uh, and I guess that's what this Five News thing is about. It's all about video material. But, uh, Indeed, and, and the fact that... Um for news gathering, the actual getting of the news is extraordinarily expensive. That's the most expensive part of it. Mm, mm. Um, so if they can, they're, they're guaranteeing a minimum of, of £100 and an on-screen credit for any stories or clips they use. So if they can get a bunch of that, they can actually save a lot of cost and possibly make yeah. their news more well, entertaining. People are already showing stuff from mobile phones and things, aren't they? People are using the video on their phones and getting it sent in when they get some sort of exclusive first footage. That's true. Uh, so that's quite interesting um, also um, there's been a bit of movement in the UK market uh, with NTL sort of announcing uh, that they were obviously they were uh, I thought they were actually buying Virgin Media but then it seems that they've adopted the Virgin Media name and so the the whole yeah. of UK cable will become Virgin Media and offer I think a quad play about £40 you'll get everything um so that'll be wireless, mobile, broadband, and television. Well, I mean, NTL, NTL Telewest bought Virgin Mobile mm. and incorporated that. And as part of the bargain, they got to use the brand name, um, which is which is actually going to be quite powerful for them, I think, because Virgin have a when I mean, they have a very powerful brand. Yeah, um, the company is also allegedly committing another six million pounds to customer care because the biggest the biggest gripe everyone's always had about um, cable in the UK, I think, has been that uh, the customer service has been pretty woeful. Yeah, well, so I mean, it doesn't help that they have a kind of monopoly, really. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and I guess some people can't put a dish up, so they have to have true, cable. True. So, uh, um, but if they can, if they can turn that perception around and use the Virgin brand, uh, then Sky might actually have some competition in the UK. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, was, I was also reading that uh, 
NTL Telewest or Virgin Media looking to buy ITV, like a whole... Uh, yeah, I heard that on the news last night. That's kind of interesting. ITV's not going through a bit of a... It's got no, no CEO at the moment, has it? So it's a, up in the air a bit, and they're seeing mm. their revenues go down. But then it doesn't look particularly good for NTL either, I mean, or Virgin Media. I mean, their revenues are all looking particularly rosy. That's kind of interesting, but I guess it, it seems I was, we were talking about this on the show earlier that wireless revenues are something like sixty or seventy pounds a month typically per person. Mm-hmm. So that may be where all the money is going to come from is people talking on their mobiles and texting rather than from the broadband TV and uh, um, fixed line services. But, uh, yeah, I mean certainly my experience in in Australia has been that um, when they did do the bundling. Uh, you know the the video part of it was seen more of as as a sweetener rather than actually uh, making a lot of money out of it. So if you're able to yeah. bundle and um, make it look like a good package, that means you get good customer retention, um, which is one of the big problems with all these services. Is you really want the customers to stick around? Yeah, exactly. So, so if they can do that, good luck. Well, I saw that some news actually moving on to sort of international stuff. Um, that uh, in the US, Directv had a they announced that their retention was was far better i don't know if that's due to the fact they've rolled out that new guide and things um but it remains to be seen how it all works out um but well, certainly, certainly that's the big challenge out, uh, aggressively rolling out their uh, pvr product yeah, that's known yeah. to uh, have a good effect on or at least it's correlated with um uh, low customer churn yeah and i was again surprised this this sort of event i went to re- earlier this week and everyone who was singing the praises of the sky plus dvr um, so literally people saying oh it's great fantastic and, but they still bemoan the fact they need to pay money for it which is quite amusing anyhow well, I reckon it's going to be one day we're going to get to a point where everyone has a PBR and that's just the way it is yeah I, mean, I must admit my uh, I, I spoke earlier on I'm doing this still doing my experiment about using a, a PC or my Mac to watch mm. TV on um, mm-hmm. and uh, my wife still hasn't got used to the fact that she, we can stop TV and pause it and stuff like this but but she's getting there, getting there. I'll get Sky Plus and stuff one day, I'm sure. Um, but uh, got to watch a bit more TV first, I think. <laughs> um, so international stuff, we we're going to talk about um, cable vision. I know we mentioned this on a previous show about how they were doing this kind of network DVR where you didn't have a DVR, but because they have a two-way cable system, you can effectively store your content and record content on the server. Mm. And they did a trial. Yeah. And I think the first guys to, to turn up were the lawyers. <laughs> and uh, yep. saying hey, you can't do this, so now it's kind of. I think they've had the first hearing in court, yeah. And um, basically, it's a sort of a they've had to put it on ice, um, and they're kind of putting. Uh, I think they're saying they're reserving 160 gigabytes of space on the server just for a person. Yes, uh, and I guess that's that's less expensive than rolling out DVRs, um, but it's a very much a legal grey area and is that fair use I think is the big the crux of the matter here yeah it's funny like I mean in reading the article it, it, it does seem like both sides have a good point you know it really it depends mm. on which way you look at it more than uh, like they're both correct if you like if it's not like um, uh, you know cables, cable vision saying that uh, it's exactly the same as having the storage in the home it's just separate from that um the plaintiffs, who a bunch of uh, movie studios and and so on, are saying that um, well, you know, you, you you're storing content and playing it out at different times, so that's the same as a video on demand service. So yeah, I mean, the the business is storing it, not the individual. I mean, that's uh, I guess it's um, from a geographic point of view that would be the case. Correct. Uh, 
but if the user was doing it, it would be a different story. And I guess they just want more money. That's what it comes down to. They're not yeah. preventing it. They just want, so you need a video on demand license rather than a yeah. broadcast license. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's fundamentally what it comes down to. And yeah. other organizations that have done similar sorts of things, uh, BT, for example, um, have actually negotiated that right with the content holders. Right. So that's why they've yeah. been able to, or they will be able to do that sort of thing um, because they've actually gone, okay, we'll cough up and uh, just that uh, Cable Vision are trying to argue that their remote storage DVR, RSDVR, is uh, is a different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's, uh, we'll see how that, I mean, I didn't think that was going to sort of be a, an easy drive anyway. The lawyers no. just turn up and anything new, obviously people want more money and it seems surprising that people think they can get away with these things um, and certainly I think for technology companies that's a big challenge is to have mm. cool technology but also that could actually work in the marketplace and often the cool technology doesn't get there because there's no legal no existing legal framework and maybe the the content owners are a little greedy and saying it's new therefore it must uh, we can get a huge amount of money out of this and it, it can have the effect of killing stuff dead yep well, that's the interesting world that we live in where, you know, that sometimes it's the technology that, that drags everyone forward and goes, hmm, how do we deal with this legally? And sometimes it's the, te- the technology that takes a while to catch up. I think one of those areas where it's catching up is um, uh, in IPTV where all of a sudden you don't need a satellite in the in the sky to be able to broadcast to thousands of people. You can do it in the wires that, that are already in the gar- in the ground. Mm, and people are doing that. I and mean, even, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit later, I know about Second Life, looking at some of the conferences that are going on around Second Life and uh, these massively multiplayer online games or environments. The people who show up at these events are the educational segment looking to study it and look at behavior <laughs> and the lawyers mm. um, looking at how they can regulate it because where, where is this place? Um, yeah. You know, what does it mean that you have a transaction that goes on in this place? What can you do? I mean, uh, I guess... You could get in stage. You, know, you can you can gamble, commit murder, do all sorts of things in a virtual world. Mm. But do you just get away with it? Is it a lawless place? Yep. Um, and what does probably it mean not you... if the lawyers are there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, we'll talk about uh, Second Life later. Yeah, but um, later, yeah. Moving on to uh, Microsoft has just announced that uh, in in terms of content delivery, they're about to go live with movie and TV downloads to the Xbox 360. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, interesting. I think the, the the most interesting thing there is. How are you going to download a lot of HD stuff? Because they're also upgrading to 1080p, I think, aren't they? That's right, yeah. Um, how much 1080p material can you get on a 20 gigabyte hard drive yeah, with all your game, your much. save games as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and your I other things, I mean. That's the, I think that's the biggest problem. But, I mean, this is the first time we've seen HD content uh, being delivered to a gaming console uh, being paid for by the consumer so you can actually you can buy the TV content you can rent for 24 hours the uh, uh, but this the is pay content. stuff right I mean you, clearly you can get the uh, game previews and things today and movie previews yep. I think on Xbox yep you've been able to get movie well, previews but this is and this is actual content so mm. very interesting and they're doing rental models and these kinds of things I did actually hear a rumour that maybe there's actually more disk space in the Xbox 360 but some of it may be reserved ah okay because I mean I, I would think it's quite tricky to buy a 20 gigabyte disc today i would have thought 20 gigs Mind is if, you're, like, if you're buying a few million i'm sure someone will make them but, true um, but i, I mean I've, i for a while i haven't seen anything less than an 80 gig drive so maybe the 60 gig there just ready for that brand spanking new hd content mm, the push content and uh, mm. yeah, it's interesting and lots of studios thinking i guess now itunes have sort of been in there and, and cut some of the early deals that yeah. uh, people are looking at. I also heard that even uh, I think Fox Studios are looking at putting content on to iTunes as well. Uh, I guess it comes down to when people have reservations about 
the medium they'll wait until it gets going and then they'll come in and again they'll want some money and it's yeah, either exactly. you're either in and you get some money or you're not in and you don't get any money well, that's so, exactly right like all the studios have now been kind of you know <laughs> their appetite's been whetted by iTunes and you know everyone else is doing it so oh, why not you know it's, it's all a bit easier these days I think yeah, and it's not just iTunes. It's obviously, there's that Movie Link, Cinema Now, and uh, Amazon launched their Unbox thing, which I don't I haven't heard much about at all, other than they just couldn't serve the data. Mm-hmm. So that's quite interesting. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens about that. I think the, the Xbox 360 is launching after the the PS3. It's like a week after they've announced it. Oh, they're trying, to, I guess, yeah, the they're trying to steal the thunder from, from Sony. Yeah. Uh, but I think Sony will have this capability at launch as well. And certainly, mm. we've talked about it before, my PSP has got some uh, PSP TV stuff. It's all in Japanese, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> it's already got something on it where you can subscribe and get content. Right. But that'll obviously come onto the PS3 as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, I was just actually talking to someone from Hong Kong just before we did the podcast, and they were saying, you know, if they want, they're coming over to the UK before Christmas, anything they want me to bring. I was thinking, oh, it could be a PS3. Uh, well, that's the only way to get it in Europe, isn't it? Well, they've, they've actually said they will be officially launching it in Hong Kong, but I'm, I'm slightly concerned about the the region coding and things like that. And also, um, was it Lixang, the, one of the people that did the imports from, Grey imports from Hong yeah. Kong, was recently basically put out of business by Sony? Yep. Because uh, they basically put the pressure on them and said, you can't do these great imp- imports. And principally, this stuff's coming to the UK. <laughs> is, guess, that real? is that right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the UK obviously is a far larger market than Hong Kong and uses the same TV standard, same voltage, same plugs, same everything. Yeah, of course. Because um, of the, the, the historical stuff there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they've been put out of business. So I could maybe get my, my mule to carry a PS3 over. But I think uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty large and will uh, displace a lot of luggage. So maybe yeah, not. Yes, somewhat. But even, you've got to wait till March next year in Europe to be able to... Well, March-ish is what... Uh, March-ish, all oh, right. Yeah, so I don't think it's March, it's March-ish. So it'd be like um, April-ish or... Yeah, but... Meanwhile, uh, the Xbox 360 will have been out there for... Yeah, let's save that for the game bit. Anyway. Okay, We're okay. going to have more stuff there. <laughs> um, you, you'd... Uh, there's a product which... And I've seen a few of these come out. Broadclip introducing a new DVR product specifically for iPods. And this, as far as I can see, is a device that is a transcoder. Transcodes from... It looks like it's an analog feed into, I guess, MPEG-4 for putting onto your iPod, doing some resolution changing and mm. doing something, presumably in, in real time or something, and you dock your iPod into it. It's not really clear, but I know there are other products out that do that. Mm. Um, but I guess it solves the problem of transcoding and getting stuff onto your... Yeah, and that's iPod. always been the issue about about these sort of things is trying to make it easy um, mm. to do it. And uh, according to their press release, it, it sounds like you, you choose a program you want to watch and uh, I guess there must be some sort of infrared communication with the, with the actual cable box or something. Right. In order to change channels so you can actually record the thing at the right time. But um, uh, So that must be part of the tricky bit and the other bit being that they're promising to transcode to just about... Everything, including the Zoom, the PSP, the Nintendo DS, which Nintendo DS doesn't really do great video, but um, and also a raft of media-capable cell phones. So maybe I can get some content for my Samsung. And the Nintendo DS. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know the DS could play movies. Uh, you can. You can get a. I've seen. Uh, when? Where was I? Some. Uh, I think it was Singapore where I saw you could get um, uh, an attachment for the DS there, which allows you to play little videos, but. Um, uh, Very little videos. The screen aren't, aren't, uh, aren't uh, really video kind of screens. So. Yeah. But moving pictures are a bit more forgiving, aren't they? So. True. 
Um, hmm. So will you be getting one of those then, Ian? I don't know. It's uh, $79. But uh, I mean, the question would be, is it is it just US content or is it, you know, does it understand about UK content? Because yeah. it's the metadata or metadata, as you would say, that's important. Because if you... <laughs> exactly. It needs to know when to get the stuff. And it's probably, in my eyes, it looks like it's just a... a a software product which yeah, links I mean, in the metadata some, and some control of a Windows Media Center. Correct. So if you can, I mean, you can get a, a video tuner can be purchased with the product, but I, I don't think they actually mean a video tuner. I think they mean, yeah. I think they mean some sort of video input device with something to tell your cable box what to do. But um, mm, we'll see. I'll see if it can, uh, if it can connect to my Skybox yeah. and that'll be great because then I can get it to record stuff and pop it straight on my iPod. That would be neat. Yeah, I mean, do you do that at the moment? But you have some sort well, of I massive workarounds. Well, I would, I think, if it was easy. Like, if I could actually take my Sky Plus content, you know, just dock my iPod at home and have it copy the, you know, the tag content that I want to watch onto my iPod and, and transcode it automatically, then I would absolutely do that. But it's just yeah. too hard, because by the time you've actually captured it into a PC and then reformatted it and then well, transferred it... Well, I know, if, it, I'm, like, uh, if I'm sort of my film rental stuff, if I'm taking a DVD, which I don't have time to watch, just I'll whack it onto my PSP to watch it later, and it's... Sounds easy, but it does. It's an overnight job. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's. Uh, I just obviously need a faster computer, but uh, it's. It's still. It's a big task. Um, so until we're at the point of getting like you know ten times real time for these sort of transcoding yeah. stuff, it's just too hard. Well, even getting devices to play back MPEG-4 content at faster than real time mm. um, smoothly. So mm. you're doing sort of faster than real time decode is quite a challenge at the moment mm. so um anywho um you found another thing as well which looks quite cool i, I must have a look at this called i like which is something about is it recommendations and itunes and mm. things what's all that about well funny i was talking to someone at a conference this week about a, a website called last.fm uh, right. which is a website where you can it, it monitors your uh, it, you allow it, you allow it to monitor what you're watching oh sorry what you're listening to in itunes it right. uploads it to a website and you can see what you've been watching during the week but you can also see what everyone else has been watching uh, sorry listening to during the week uh, and then you can go and find other people that have similar listening tastes to you and see what other things they've been listening to that you haven't. So it's kind of like a community social networking music site. Yeah. And uh, I Like is meant to be the kind of the second generation of this type of site. Um, and again, they've um, so they do similar things to that. So it kind of interfaces directly with iTunes. It's it's you know, it looks graphically. Uh, fits in looks quite nicely. the same, doesn't it, from the screenshot we've got mm, here. So looks, looks very nice. Um, now they've added the facility that um, when you're playing a song, you can, own, you can actually go and search for that particular music video on YouTube and right. pull it up and, and watch that as well. So uh, these things are starting to get linked together. So we're beginning to see um, uh, not just videos on their own in YouTube, but actually being linked with the content that you're watching. Um, so I think some of these recommendation uh, engines and the way they're working, it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, it's and still monetizing it, I suppose. I guess there's room for advertising or doing something there. Or um, I think you can become an iTunes affiliate, can't you? So if people buy the songs through you as an affiliate, right. then you can get some commission, I think. I think. Yeah. about that. And that's definitely what this seems to do because you can, on the screenshot, you can, you can see it, then you can also buy it. If you oh, okay. happen to but like it's a click to buy from Amazon right now, isn't it? Rather than a maybe it's the uh, unbox, buy it from unbox right, or buy, just buy the CD yep. or something like that. I guess if if you if I was an independent developer making some uh, stuff like that, I'd want to see if I can get some cash out as soon as possible. Mm, so definitely. Amazon clearly have that referral service working today. Okay, um, 
moving on, IPTV. Um, there's an interesting report came out about um, who's leading the world in IPTV, and there's a huge amount of noise about it. Um, but the reality is that the deployments are quite small, mm. uh, less than uh, about four million worldwide. I think there's. I know there's mm-hmm. a big chunk in Hong Kong. There's a big chunk in um, in Italy, uh, but France is leading with about 1.7 million. Uh, Crikey. Deployments, um, so which why is, is why is France big on IPTV? What's the story there? Well, I think I think it's they've been leading in the the unbundling of the exchanges because the key part about getting IPTV in is that your telco provider needs to sort of let other people access the copper goes from that goes from the exchange into your home and mm-hmm. to also put um, the necessary multicast enabled stuff into the exchange. Um, and most telcos worldwide are owned by either large governments or large corporations which have a nice monopoly, thank you very much, and aren't very keen on letting people into the exchange. Um, So only when it's kind of legislated and and more competition is is there are you allowed to do that. And I guess at the end of the day, there's also a limited amount of space in these exchanges. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you know where your exchange is in your local area. Uh, We've certainly minded sort of deep, dark village. There's a a small house-like thing, which is the telephone exchange. Yeah. Um, but there's a finite amount of space. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to just whack in a whole couple of racks of equipment if it's if yeah. there's no space. And your D slams everywhere, or whatever mm. they call them now, uh, passive optical networks, and you know fiber turbinations, all this kind of stuff. So, mm. um, but Paris clearly they've got it sorted out, and uh, they've got. I know certainly one of the guys uh, I work with has got, uh, I think, sixteen twisted pairs coming into his home, and he's got all five IPTV services there. There's five IPTV services? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we oh, talked goodness. about it before in one of the previous episodes. Um, but yeah, it, it, I it was three. Just, I didn't realise there was five. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, it's, it's nuts. I mean, it, it comes... But as we talked about earlier on, it comes down to the customer service element. Mm. Uh, you can the technology isn't where it's at. It's about how you can make people happy. And, and it's quite interesting for him to see which one does he actually watch. Right. Use because I mean they're all pretty much have the same thing on them. Okay. Some of the prices are different, but what is easiest to use? That's that's what you know. That's what actually that's what you're going to watch and what you'd actually pay for. Mm. Um, so interesting uh, that the, the guys in France are, are leading at the moment, and also that's a good shakeout I think for lots of different systems, and they range from the full Microsoft system right down to sort of homegrown um, mm. systems as well. So. Well, it's a good sign that um, IPTV certainly has the capability to do it. But I mean, I think you're right. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to customer service and how easy the service is to use. You know, because you can you can make set the boxes easy to use and um, very easy, very you know, simple for the, the the user in the home to be able to do the stuff they need to do. Or you can make it hard and and make it difficult to do things. And I've seen both, and it certainly does change the you know the the user experience when you have to go through a lot of hassle to just change channels and find the thing you want to watch yeah exactly exactly and i think in a way video on demand is is new to most people and how do you find the stuff you actually want to watch if it's not easy and the remote control isn't the best way to do that yeah that's right especially um, with a lot it, of content it can it can give you sort of great expectations as a as a user but the reality can be far from that mm. um mobile what's going on in mobile well we've got a few things in mobile the first being that um uh, some new technology that uh, a couple of companies are trying to test out. The Sinclair Broadcast Group, Samsung Electronics and uh, transmitter manufacturer Roden Schwartz uh, have uh, put mobile 
the new mobile technology to the test by whacking everything in a van and driving around at 80 miles an hour to see if it still works. Well, see, I mean, this is an interesting story, but it's it's basically saying the, the ATSC standard that's used in the US for terrestrial broadcast, I mean, it doesn't work when you're moving. And I think that's that's one of the problems. Mm. Um, unlike the DVB-H standard, which is basically using the same coding as uh, well, some different coding to cater for power saving, but it's pretty much the same um, transmission format, COFDM, yep. as that used by uh, uh, digital terrestrial TV. And you can get, I think, the, I've seen some amazing footage of some guy driving on an autobahn at 200 kilometers an hour or something in a Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> with the back packed full of kit watching TV whilst driving at 200 kilometers an hour um, or something like that. Um, There's got to be some problem there. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the US, some people are trying to say, oh, we can just change the standard so you can actually work whilst moving along. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's probably one of these not invented here things. I don't quite know why. Oh, no. uh, well, we've got this technique called turbo coding, which is a form of forward mm. error correction, which, yeah. you know, it's been around for a while. We even used it in satellites. Yeah, exactly. And they trade 1.5 megabits worth of bandwidth to deliver 375 kilobytes, sorry, kilobits um, worth of uh, worth of actual content. So it's a massive overhead, isn't it? <laughs> I think that suggests to me that the actual... Uh, the VSB mode doesn't actually work very well. They're just trying to <laughs> retrofit something onto it. Um, what a complete waste of bandwidth. A waste of bandwidth, That's yeah. massive. Um, Still? Oh, well, good luck to them. Yep. Um, keep, it, keep it up. Yeah. I think the, the main thing, and they're saying about mobile, and that's probably, is it video or music? I mean, yeah, video, 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 yeah. video and audio content. But um, and apparently audio, the, I mean, everyone in the US has got the XM radio there, haven't they? They've all got the um, satellite right. radio in the cars yeah. now. That's pretty standard, so... And the only other problem with, with that technology so far is the actual mobile device is the size of a set-top box, which yeah. is not something you're going to fit in your pocket any day soon. Well, but it'll go in your car, won't it? I guess that's what they're looking at, all those yeah, gas guzzlers in the US. I guess. Um, that's what they're going for. Or well, you could just pop a DVD player in your car. Exactly. Exactly. So the other, the other wireless news is that YouTube is teaming up with Verizon in the US. Yeah, or YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Um, um, so they're going to be able to offer YouTube videos as an on-demand feature on IPTV and on mobile. Because yeah. I was having a chat, <coughs> excuse me, from a guy with Google this week, and, and he was saying that they were not making as much progress in the US because obviously you've got the Sprints, the Verizons, and Singular, mm. who are really massive companies, and they, they're kind of a bit wary of Google getting in on their turf. So maybe the, <laughs> the YouTube thing is... It was there beforehand, um, mm. and the guy, Google guy was saying they're doing that more on mobile in Europe, where people are a bit more flexible. There's a bit more competition, mm, that's uh, and it's less federated. So you know, people have roaming and they have number portability. Yeah. Whereas in the US, I think roaming is a bit tricky, and number portability still isn't there. Um, so they're they're launching things like um, uh, Gmail on. Uh, or Google Mail access on your mobile and looking very much into location-based services. So, you you know, potentially you can have the phone with the the button that you just press to say what's near me. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you're using the internet on your phone, it's a real pain to enter in the, uh, oh, absolutely. the URLs. It's terrible. Um, so if you could just have a button which says, you know, what's near me, mm. and you could just select stuff. You that know, would be really cool. A bit like, you know, uh, you've got one of these um, TomTom sat-navs when you're, it's a bit of a pain there to enter stuff in. But mm. if you want to say things near me you've got categories and you can just select them rather than having to enter in restaurant or pub or whatever that would be very cool so that would be I can see that working you know like the lobster phone we talked about last week if you had the 
hit the button and, and find out you know what's near me and obviously that that info is already there on uh, maps.google.co.uk which i think it seems to be a beta but that's um i don't know if it's available in the rest of europe but certainly they're populating a lot of the businesses and things on google earth mm. so you can everything there um, very cool interesting so indeed very cool okay so what's happening in gaming well i'm going to be playing a bit of loco roco <laughs> now, you've, now you've lent me the game um i haven't plugged it in yet but i did have a look at that funny tracks thing you were talking about which seemed to be as you say a cross between sort of connect four and tetris yeah and something else bit, one of the bit uh, retro games packs you can get yeah on the old psp and i've, I've sent you laura croft in the post so cool you'll get hold of that um i was going to send you the microphone thing so you could practice your japanese oh really but uh, maybe later <laughs> Anichiwa. <laughs> um playstation 3 we talked about it a bit earlier on it's getting close mm-hmm. uh, it's only what, 10 days that's right less than t- less than 10 days a week almost probably mm. by the time this comes out um before it pops out onto the uh the uh into the the sweaty mitts of gamers worldwide i hear there's queues in the u.s there are people lining up already in order to get one <laughs> like standing on pavements for a week <laughs> um, and there's been some announcement that they'll do a software update on the first day well that's kind of no surprise really mm. um, so that's cool um, the thing that was interested me is that also the it actually is some specific reference to the functionality of the PSP and it suggests that um, you'll be able to do remote play on your PSP which wow. could okay. be this thing I think I was kind of hoping for where you could maybe play the games on a PSP without using a TV screen right if it can basically do a sling box but oh, for the right. game so onto the PSP. So if you can send your actual game you know, video across to the PSP. Yeah, whether it's games wow. or whether it's just content like movies and things like that. But that would be really cool if it was games because you'd have the whole processing power of the PS3 yeah. but be able to but wander around your house. Exactly, exactly. And it would just do... And it, I'm sure that can do the crunching down to the MPEG-4 requirement. You mm. get the full res. Probably do that in sleep, yeah. Fab little screen. Um, and I guess they've had a bit of a practice there with the location-free thing. Yeah, that's true. Presumably without the power of the cell processors. So That um, actually sounds very cool. It does, it does. Um, and I guess they're coming out with a new PSP as well. I've, I've heard reports about it, but I haven't seen anything about it. With a, yeah, there's uh, been lots of rumors about that. But um, Yeah, maybe with a... I don't know if it's got sort of eight gigs of flash in it or, as well, or mm. whether it actually has a hard drive, I don't know. Mm. Um, that sounds cool, though. Like, I could, I could get into that. Maybe I'll have to get a PS3 after all. But um, <laughs> as soon as the, the Nintendo Wii comes out, I'll... Um, We'll do a story on that. How, I mean, how hopeful are you of getting a Wii? Well, I've put my twenty pounds down, and they've you know they've said that they'll definitely try, possibly to maybe get one if they can. So you'll be uh, camping out with your sleeping bag and woolly hats. Oh on. yeah, I'll be on the street for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and well, the, the theory is that they've they've manufactured four million of them for launch. Right. So there should be plenty around, and that's the idea that um, mm. uh, you know there's there's nothing there's nothing particularly magic in the Nintendo Wii beyond the you know I mean obviously the technology for the controller and so on is is very cool. I mean, the controller, cool. to be honest, I think is the only thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the processor is a new version of one that they've used before in the Game Box. Um, so all components are fairly standard. Yeah. So they should be able to you know tune out a ton of these and have um, a really yeah. good. Christmas and given that the GameCube was a bit of a flop. Um, they've probably got a few components left over, right? So. <laughs> they probably have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess it remains to be seen how how good it really is. And I, I, I hope you do get hold of one. So you can give us a first-hand report. Mm, it'll be interesting. Um, a bit of tennis in the lounge room. Indeed. Tennis sports pack time. Um, second Life. No, uh, no podcast would be complete without 
a Second Life reference, although we've already had one, obviously. So, <laughs> That's right. Um, also, it's about a German newspaper. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Yeah, so a German newspaper is setting up in uh, Second Life, and they're going to charge between 10 and 15 Linden dollars uh, to subscribe to it, which you know, is, is apparently a few pence at the Linden exchange rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're touting that the quality of the paper is going to be really good with um, a, an online editorial office in world with a real editor in chief and they're going to be hiring reporters from the community within Second Life. So, you know, again, we're seeing a whole kind of, you know, ecosystem being built up. People, I don't know, well, the, th- the whole point being that Second Life is made up, you could actually make up your own makeup news and then record it and then get paid for it for reporting it. That, um, you can say it happened crazy. somewhere in Second Life, but... You know. <laughs> now you can tell everyone about it. The I'm not quite sure how you read a newspaper in Second Life. I mean, I'm not really, I've I'm not really used sure it, the resolution is so poor anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've heard music in Second Life, and video has purportedly been around, but mm. the bandwidth required to actually render the video whilst looking around in real time is just enormous. No, I just think in we're the in the wrong place. Like, if you're in the US, then you'd probably be okay. But Got to be in the valley. Yes. Um, so quite how the Germans will manage, I'm not sure. No, no, no. But it's going to be a colourful tabloid with snippets about show business, and whatever that is in Second Life, and human interest tales from the Avatar world. Maybe they'll have attractive avatars wandering around selling the newspaper. Hey, that could work. That could work. There we go. Fantastic. Um, you got any gadgets, so, James? What's going on there? I have, I have. Um... I've I've got this gadget which uh, has putting my kind of green hat on mm-hmm. uh, enables you to measure the electricity consumption in your house in real time. Um, wow, it's quite cool. You just it's basically a, a current meter. You just clip it onto the the fat wire that goes in comes out of your electricity meter into your fuse box, the the live wire. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a, it's kind of a, like a wireless reader. Oh, so and, you and don't it's, physically it's connect in, the um, actual. To the actual mains, uh, you don't actually you just clip it around the cable. Wow! So it, it measures the, the current going through. So you don't actually have to you know, touch anything that's dodgy. Um, obviously, you need to have a significant amount. You need to have about uh, ten centimeters of wire clear. It shouldn't be embedded in the wall, so you can clip this thing around. It's actually made in the in the US and sorry in in Australia. Um, for a company called Centimeter. Some pretty cool things in Australia. Yeah, uh, well, it's actually made in Hong Kong, I think, but oh. it's <laughs> designed in Australia. Right. You, know, you know how it is. Um, and basically, this wireless meter gives you a readout in kilowatt hours, um, cents, euros, or pounds, um, wow. and uh, carbon kilograms or tons. That's and, very and, cool. And it kind of polls the meter every, I think it's about every six seconds at the moment. Um, and you can literally go around switching stuff on and seeing how much it juice it's using. Um, and you can set an alarm, so if it goes over a certain amount, it will um, squeal at you. <laughs> That's fantastic, though, because it's yeah. it's actually quite. I mean, traditionally, it's quite hard to actually measure these things properly without you having have no idea. expensive I mean, equipment and you know modifying. Yeah. You know, and your electricity bill. I mean, I guess you like most people in the UK. Everyone pays by direct debit monthly, and it's just an estimate. So you have absolutely no idea what your consumption yeah. is, or which particular um, devices are using the most electricity in the first you have place. No idea at all. I mean, you, I mean, I you know you buy the eco light bulbs and the. If you buy a new refrigerator or a washing machine, you might go for the A-rated one because mm. that's, you know, but you might not. It depends. Uh, but it's when you flip on the electric cooker and you can see you're you're going up to fifty tons of carbon a year. It makes you think. You know, that's very cool. Um, just eat raw vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. So we'll have to put a link in the show notes. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some stuff there. Um, so. 
look at that but it, it's quite a cool I mean it's quite it is 50 pounds quite an expensive piece of kit mm. but uh, if you know it says on the box you can save up to 25% of your electricity bill so wow. it'll be worth it and, so uh, is that by just knowing what takes the electricity and being conscious yeah. of it is that no, I think so it's, it's just there's a feedback loop and there are some papers on it as well but you know if you can wander around and literally think you've got everything turned off but you're still using the juice you can think well where is it coming from mm. then you can go around and, and makes you just makes you think about it a bit more and because it's wireless, it's not kind of you don't have to run backwards and forwards. You, know, you can just mm. wander around with it, you can so. wander around the house with it, and see what's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, and really it cool. gives you the humidity and temperature and stuff as well. Hmm. So um, that's cool. If any of you've got any comments on what we've said, uh, do let us know. It's uh, what's the email address again? Yeah. Feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Great, and uh, we look forward to you getting all you in again on episode twenty-four. All right, thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, cheers. Bye. Bye.